Let us call on the Holy Spirit to empower our reading and hearing of God's word in our prayer of illumination. Let us pray. Mighty God, the shepherds of old were full of your praises, saying that all they had and heard and seen was mirrored by what they had been told. Move among us now with your Holy Spirit that we too might hear and experience the wonder and joy of the living word as we seek to welcome the written word into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. The Old Testament reading comes from the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 52, verses 7 through 10. Listen for the word of the Lord for you. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of the messenger who announces peace, who brings good news, who announces salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, your sentinels lift up their voices. Together they sing for joy, for in plain sight they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth together into singing, you ruins of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, Grace Covenant. It is good to be in the house of the Lord this first Sunday after Christmas. Today's text is found in the book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. I will be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Listen for the word of the Lord. Now every year, his parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up as usual for the festival. When the festival was ended and they started to return, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Assuming he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. Then they started to look around for him among their relatives and family members. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. He said to them, Why were you searching for me? Did you not know I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. 
His mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As I studied this passage, in particular, the boy Jesus, his response to his parents' frantic search for him, I realized the magnitude of Jesus knowing his, pers- his uh, purpose and devotion to God at the tender age of 12 years old. At 12, Jesus was drawn to his father's house, the temple, to study and discuss scripture. How many of us today, young or old, are drawn to God's purpose in our lives as the boy Jesus was drawn to his father? Today, we have to be very intentional in setting our priorities to spend time with God, whether it's going to church, attending Sunday school, or Bible study. Setting aside time for one or all of these encounters with God reflects only a small portion of our weekly activities. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to say that at any given time, we, like young Jesus, must be in our Father's house? The New Interpreter's Bible points out that God's claims may stand in tension or open conflict with human desire for social acceptance, loyalty to family, economic prosperity, and other worthy ideals. The hard decisions are not those between right and wrong, but those that call us to choose between options which both represent worthy ideals and claims. In this event, Jesus was already subordinating other priorities to his sense of God's purpose for his life. Brothers and sisters, We are called into being by God's grace to live a life of God's purpose. Today's sermon title is Submitting to God's Purpose for Your Life. Now, 12 years passed since the uh, baby Jesus was born, and Jesus and his family were en route to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. The festival of the Passover represents a time when families in the Jewish community journeyed to Jerusalem in memory of God's grace in passing over the households of Israelites during the plague that killed the firstborn of the Egyptian families, as read in the Exodus, the book of Exodus. I imagine. The pilgrimage was an exciting time for Jesus' family as they traveled along with many other families participating in this annual event. It was probably like a family reunion where there was food and fellowship and fun activities in addition to remembering God's grace of the Passover. Families must have felt comfortable traveling together, allowing children to play and socialize with other children as their caravans journeyed to and from the festival. Families looking after the children of other families must have been the norm since it took a day's journey for Mary and Joseph to figure out Jesus 
was missing. This scene reminds me of my childhood when my family and my cousin's families were traveling and vacationing in Atlantic City, New Jersey. At the time, it was not the robust uh, place with, uh, with casinos and, and all that we see there today, but there was an amusement park and a boardwalk that included a display of penguins. I was so amazed by those penguins that I didn't realize my parents and family had moved on. After walking around and looking for my family for what seemed like an eternity, I realized they were gone. I was all alone. At the hotel, my parents were frantic because we were a large group, a large family traveling together, three families with seven children. Most of the time we traveled in three cars, not necessarily with our parents. So when they did the roll call and I came up missing, like Mary and Joseph, my parents were anxiously searching for me. Can you imagine the horror of Mary and Joseph when they searched among their family and friends and did not find their son Jesus? Mary and Joseph would backtrack to Jerusalem looking for Jesus, searching high and low and not finding Jesus for three days. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished astonished, as in amazed at Jesus' understanding and answers as he engaged the teachers in the temple, astonished, like their amazement at Simeon's words of praise to God in verse 30 as he held the baby Jesus 12 years ago, proclaiming he saw God's salvation in Jesus, or astonished, as in why did you stay in Jerusalem and not travel home with your parents? As extenai in the Greek, this is the Greek word for amazed. Ekplesin is the Greek word meaning astonished, as in exasperated. While some may debate the meaning of Mary and Joseph's astonishment, many parents can relate to Mary's reaction in verse 48 when she addresses Jesus not as pas in the Greek boy, but with a more juvenile term, technon, child. Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. This is the response of a mother who was previously fraught with worry over her missing child. Even when Jesus tried to explain to his parents his need to be in his father's house, they did not comprehend the great meaning of his statement. Had Mary forgotten the angel Gabriel? who visited her nearly 13 years ago saying, you have found favor with God and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. 
Did Joseph forget that according to the book of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 20 through 21, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from sin. Somewhere in the daily living of work and family responsibilities, somewhere in raising Jesus, Mary and Joseph must have forgotten God's purpose for their life and Jesus' life. Maybe their minds were clouded by the normal pressures of daily life, parenting, and social pressures. After all, Jesus, or Joseph, was a carpenter. What could be so special about the carpenter's son, Jesus? He appears to be like all the other kids up to this point. But thanks be to God, the boy, Jesus, knew God had a purpose for his life. When the festival was over and the people began their journey home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. The reference to the boy Jesus staying behind in Jerusalem reflects his growth. In verse 16, Jesus is mentioned as a baby, briefos in the Greek language. In verse 40, as a child, Padion in the Greek language, and in verse 43, boy, pace in the Greek language. Today, a boy 12 years of age may be referred to as a preteen. How many here believe that preteens, any preteen, would hang around after a festival? Well, if we're being honest, there are a few youths who might stay behind with their friends, maybe to be curious, maybe seeking some new adventure, maybe to be mischievous, if we are being honest with ourselves. But not the boy Jesus. He stayed back in Jerusalem. Even as a young 12-year-old, Jesus was drawn to God's purpose to the temple, to be in his father's house. He knew his purpose at the time was being seated among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers, but not Mary and Joseph, who scolded Jesus for causing them pain and despair as they searched for him. Jesus' response to his, to his parents reflects not only his growth and maturity, but his understanding of his purpose in relation to God the Father. Jesus said, why were you searching for me? Did you not know I must be in my Father's house? Meaning, I must be about the business affairs of my Father. Jesus' statement suggests he has an understanding not only of God's mission, but of his purpose in God's mission. Jesus was where he was supposed to be, in Jerusalem, in the temple, 
sitting with the teachers in God's purpose. While it appears that Jesus was being disobedient to his earthy, earthly parents, he was in full submission to God the Father. The final verses of this passage tell us that Jesus went with his parents to Nazareth and was obedient to them, and Mary treasured all of these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom, in years, and in divine and human favor. How many of us today submit in obedience to live a life in God's purpose? What does it mean walking in God's purpose? What does that look like for us today? And what is there to gain? Today, not many of us submit in obedience to live lives in God's purpose. Mary and Joseph and the many other travelers returning from the festival of the Passover may not have been living completely in God's purpose. Sure, they recognize the importance of participating in the festival of the Passover, but once they got back to their daily routines of work and family, their devotion to God may have fallen by the wayside. They may have been back then the way some of us are today, making room for everything else. Putting God on the back burner, so to speak, if we give God a place in our lives at all. Amid of a myriad of excuses are made for not making God priority. There's not enough time for God in my life because work and family obligations or social and societal pressures hinder the nurturing of a relationship with God because it's not cool to be a Bible verse quoting Christian. Still others put off living in God's purpose for later stating, I'll have plenty of time to do that when I'm older and settle down. But you and I know, tomorrow is not promised and submitting to God's purpose for our life does not mean that we have to give up everything else. So what does living in God's purpose look like for you and for me? Living in God's purpose means making God our focus in everything that we do. At the young age of 12, Jesus was living God's purpose and so focused that he stayed behind in Jerusalem and sat among the teachers in the temple. How do we focus on God at work, at school, at home, with family and friends? We focus on God by consulting God in everything. Let's face it, in everyday life there are decisions to be made, like who's the best person to pitch that proposal at work, or how to talk to a professor about an undeserved grade, or how to have a talk with a family member concerning a pressing issue. When we go to God in prayer, or study God's word, we are guided by God's grace, love, and wisdom for the tough decisions we make day to day. 
Philippians 4 and 6 says, Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. The boy Jesus submitted himself to God, to God's purpose as a student in the temple, listening and asking questions. By submitting to God's purpose for our lives, we gain understanding. As a result of living under God's purpose, Jesus increased in wisdom. Does gaining understanding mean we will know all of God's ways? Of course not. Our human capacity will never allow us to gain complete understanding of God's will and ways. The ways of God are indeed mysterious. However, every day, we have the opportunity to learn and grow by living in God's purpose. We can sit with the teachers just as Jesus did and learn more and more about our God in Sunday school and in Bible study. As we listen and ask questions, God will reveal more and more of God's self. We must become lifelong learners of the gospel of Jesus Christ, wrestling with the text and opening our hearts and mind to God's revelation for us. Years, many years ago, I was working out in the gym and in the weight room there was a sign that read, no pain, no gain. How true that sign was for me. Many times after a hard workout in the gym, my muscles were sore and aching and I once, uh, but once I had the routine of exercising, the soreness faded away and my strength increased. Those were the good old days. Like, workout, like working out my muscles in the gym, as Christians, we must work out our faith, studying God's word to gain a better understanding. And Jesus increased in wisdom, in years, and in divine and human favor. Divine and human. Today's scripture reveals to us Jesus' divine and human nature. The son of Mary and Joseph, human Jesus, acknowledging and submitting to the need to be with his, in his father's house, revealing Jesus' understanding of his sonship with God the Father. What a mighty revelation. So mighty that it would take the rest of Jesus' life for his parents to understand it. Can you imagine the emotions and feelings Jesus must have experienced making this connection to God and God's purpose for him? If it were me, I would never want to leave my father's house. I would want to be as close to God as possible at all times. Yet, in obedience to both his earthly father and his heavenly father, Jesus returns with Mary and Joseph to Nazareth. Submitting to God's purpose for our lives means being obedient to God's will and way. Brothers and sisters, will you submit to God's purpose for your life today? Today's good news is that the fully human and fully divine Jesus Christ awaits 
for us with open arms. Will you come? Amen.